0: Hey there! This is Coworking with Iris, where we talk about co-working and community. This is episode 20, and I will be speaking today with Benjamin Diet of Grind in New York and Chicago. And I first met Benjamin about four or five years ago, I think, um, at the, my, the most fun, uh, juicy night I've ever had, actually, <laughs> at the Global Coworking on Conference in Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, that
1: was like, uh, yeah, that was 2012, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was pre- seven months pregnant with my son at the time, and Benjamin has uh, just been a lovely friend and fixture uh, in the co-working world for me ever since then. And I've really enjoyed um, Benjamin's unique perspective on community and on workplace strategies from uh, the legal perspective, given that Benjamin spent quite a quite a bit of time before founding Grind in the real estate legal world. So we're gonna talk today about his latest venture, which is a partnership with Verizon. And um, I'm really curious to hear what Benjamin has to say about how this partnership is going. I'll just let you know that I'm visiting family right now, and where I'm visiting, there's no co-working space. So I'm in a local cowboy cafe. There's quite a bit of activity around me. So I'll be going on mute. And so I do apologize, though, if there's background noise uh, during this recording. Thanks for your patience with that. (laughs) Good morning, Benjamin, and welcome. Well, good good morning. Uh, I think I want to ask the
1: first question. Okay. (laughs) If this is episode 20, I want to know why I was in episode number one.
0: I think you were really, really busy when I launched this. You were really, really busy launch- launching your latest effort.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll accept that.
0: But as soon as the word got out that uh, that you guys were doing what you're doing, I um, I sent you that email. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks so much for joining, and let's start off with you telling us about your co-working story. How did you get started in co-working?
1: Oh, see, I started out as a child. <laughs> it, it's kind of a basic story almost. Um, I, I was a commercial real estate lawyer most of my life, and uh, when I was kind of done with that part, and you know, after being a, a, a big firm lawyer, I, I ran a small real estate investment company for a little while, for a little while, eight years. <laughs> um, then um, I, I ended up as an entrepreneur, and um, I was dipping my toe in some interesting projects that came my way. And uh, I was still consulting for a lot of my old legal clients and people I knew. And I was also trying uh, out things that I was just interested in. I mean, at one point, first I, I I'm, I'm kind of a. Amateur, half-trained chef, and I always wanted to own a restaurant, so I opened a restaurant um, because it was something I wanted to do before I died. Um, quickly found out it's something I never want to do again, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it was fun. It was fun while it lasted.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but at one point, I was um, working on a bunch of projects, and sometimes when I when I I work from home a lot. And, but if I had a lot of work piled up, sometimes I'd rent an executive office suite, and just go and hunker down, you know, for six months or a year or whatever it is. And I was actually in a space at that point and it wasn't a very nice space. I had a windowless office at the end of some hallway and the place was not really kept up very well, you know, bad carpeting, needed paint everywhere. And I, I had some simple, basic problem. I can't even remember what it is now. And I went to the, the, the office staff and, and asked them to help me. And they were they like couldn't care less. <laughs> and I looked around, and every office was full. The place was a nightmare. And I just said, "There's a with a little sort of hospitality and design and just general." Caring for human beings, there there could be a business here. I hadn't I never even heard of co-working at that point. This is like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, I said, but this business center thing can be improved on. <laughs> <laughs> and I started just you know putting together plans and researching, and I went to a few smart friends I I knew, one um, who. Was an old, old friend of mine, really smart guy. And uh, I've all along in my life, I've always like, shared ideas with him and bounced ideas off with of him and uh, gotten his help. And for the first time, he basically got back to me and said, you know what, I like this idea. This is interesting. Maybe I'll do this with you. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you, uh, we started pulling together a plan for Grind. And that's how it was born. I mean, he you know, he was a, a really smart business guy. I was a real estate guy. And um, I needed a place to work, so we built one.
0: <clears throat> wow. <laughs> I love that story, Benjamin. And I also find it fascinating that you, you worked at a space that was pretty much all offices, all little cub- cubicles. And then you opened a co-working space with no offices, right? Your first grind was all open. You had no team rooms.
1: We had no offices. It was completely open-plan collaborative workspace. And that's because one of the things I was missing in my work life was human contact and the ability. Yeah, I consider myself a smart guy, but I also consider myself someone who doesn't know everything. (laughs) And if I don't know everything, I need people around me who know something other than what I know. And that's what drove the original grind design, which is walls, what the hell do we need walls for?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we, we learned why we needed walls later. but right.
0: <laughs> As did many in the yeah. early co-working movement, yes. So you recently created a partnership with Verizon. Um, so take us back a little. How did this come about? Oh, I think you might be muted, Benjamin. I'm going to unmute you there.
1: Sorry. There we That's go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you. If the idea was was inside Verizon was sort of came out of the Verizon real estate group. Um, Verizon is probably the largest private owner of real estate in the country. They own something like 150 million square feet of space. And um, they, a lot of it was for to hold their systems and technology. And you know, over the decades, you know, what they, used to need 100,000 square feet for, switching equipment, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all that stuff has been shrunk down to, you know, half that size, if not less. So they have millions of square feet of fallow real estate. And they were trying to figure out what to do with it. Do they sell it, do they repurpose it somehow? And one of the the smaller bits of their plan was to take some of the real estate, Turn it into co-working spaces. So the real estate group was out talking to a lot of people, and we spent a lot of time with them. And at one point, suggested that they go to Juicy, the global co-working on conference conference, and really see what the industry is about, meet a lot of the operators and the different perspectives that exist inside of co-working, and and that would help formulate their plans and ideas and rather than talking to just us or whoever else they were talking to. So it was Kansas City, 2013 I guess, um, uh, we brought Verizon to Juicy mm-hmm. um, and I spent a lot of time introducing them around everybody and um, it kind of opened their eyes. and. But interestingly enough, only made them more determined to embark on a project
0: like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
1: As happens with large corporations, lots of time passed. (laughs) And they boiled it down to about four or five co-working operators that they were really interested in trying this with. And at the end of the day, when all the dust cleared, um, we were the ones that they decided to do it with. Then, lots more time passed as we, you know, worked on contract points and how the actual partnership would be structured and, you know, not surprisingly, it was very different in the end than it started out in the beginning, you know, given, you know, what Grind is and how it operates and what Verizon is and how it operates, but we were able to come together and uh, come up with a a platform that we thought would be good for, for both of us. And uh, we signed up a deal at the end of last summer, summer of 2015, and we started designing and building a space, which we completed in March of this year, 2016, and opened it to much fanfare.
0: Tell us about this fanfare. Um, I can imagine, you know, Grind has gotten a fair amount of press over the years. Um, but I can imagine the type of press that you must have received through um, this type of a collaborative relationship.
1: Well, uh, you know, we did our, our usual. We got it out there through our social media channels and through our own network and community. And, you know, we, we had an interesting party. We did a really interesting launch. We, we have a, a quarterly le- lecture series called Rethink. Um, where we bring different thought leaders from everywhere. um, And we bring them in the grind so our members can see what's going on in the rest of the world. And we use the Rethink platform as our launch platform for that space. We did a uh, sort of Rethink Arts and we brought in uh, really cool sculptors and muralists and um, some really interesting people who uh, did presentations During the course of the evening, it was a lot of fun. Actually,
0: that's that's fun that you used um, the lunch party to do that. So you you had some press. You you opened to much fanfare. Um, Tell us about the building that you're in. Uh, What was you know? I'd I'd love to hear how the build out might have been different because you were operating an existing building. Um, What is the space, the physical space itself like? And then. Um, you know what? What did you have to do differently um, with this corporate partnership that you
1: had? I'll tell you, the the space um, was a challenge because it had never been occupied by humans before. It was a piece of rising real estate that used to be a switching floor, and the switching equipment, you know, has shrunk to half its size, so it, it was just lying fallow, but it also was never—it ne- it was never built out to contain humans, so it didn't meet any of the code requirements. So it was actually kind of a heavy lift to bring the space up to snuff before we could even start <coughs> building it out as a co-working space. And you layer on top of that that the building is their old headquarters, which is in Lower Manhattan. It's right next to the World Trade Center. It's the building north of the World Trade Center, so the building was severely damaged in nine eleven, and you know Verizon spent years and years rebuilding it and fixing it. In fact, the space we occupy was um, pretty central to the damaged part of the building, and um, uh, they sort of moved heaven and earth to make it work, <laughs> and um, we. Got the space finished in, in March. Uh, we opened, and we had a community growing very quickly and Unfortunately, three weeks after we opened, Verizon went on strike um, it, at the, you know this year it was all in the news. it was the biggest union strike in, in the United States, and I had a, a picket line of angry union workers outside the building for two months.
0: Wow. <laughs> Huh, how was that? I mean, how did you navigate that with your members, uh, brand new members? <clears throat>
1: Let's just say it was a challenge.
0: <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> and
1: uh, you know, the members who had uh, signed up and come into the space were absolutely wonderful and lovely. And um, it was difficult to attract new members during that period because no one you know, wanted to cross the picket line to go see a co space. Um, yeah. But on the Verizon side, you know, the co-working team at Verizon are are really fantastic. They're they're really smart, passionate people who love this project and really wanted to succeed. And you know, they were with us every step of the way, uh, and that made a huge difference. Um, and we got through it. We got through it. <laughs>
0: So how, what does this partnership look like now? Are you opening you know, spaces everywhere with Verizon? Do I get to like walk into the local downtown Santa Cruz Verizon store and co-work with other grindists? How does this work?
1: <laughs> oh, well, I wish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, first and foremost, and the basis of our arrangement with Verizon is that this is a grind. It's called Grind Powered by Verizon. Um, it looks like a grind when you walk in, you know that you're in grind but at the same time um, you know every grind location is is a little different and the community is a little different. Um, <clears throat> th- it's a standalone business um, that's designed to connect Verizon with their clients' work lives. you know a lot of our members have Verizon phones but that's more of a personal home thing. People have Verizon TV uh, and cable service. But um, so Verizon is well embedded in people's personal lives. But this, was a, this is a small, you know, part of a larger effort to get connected to their work life and, and exposed. But on the flip side of that coin, the partnership is designed to expose Verizon to new technologies that are being explored and developed by Grind members. Because, as you know, Verizon is in the middle of a big sort of um, brand shift from being known as the big bad telephone company Mm to being known as sort of a cool, nimble, uh, smart, intelligent technology company. Right. And so positioning themselves next to companies like Grind, you know, even though Grind is tiny, um, you know, helps with that transition. Um, But it also helps drive other parts of their business. I mean, if, if we can find you know one Grind member a year that's doing something that can sort of feed another part of the rise in business, I mean, that's a huge win for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's sort of what we're trying to do here.
0: Yeah, it's really powerful to have um, the people who are developing technology Um, and perhaps those who are developing you know software that we use or hardware that we use to sit with the users and to have just casual conversations that happen but to be able to observe those moments um, that you really can't get in a focus group I think where somebody's clash with their technology affects their work uh, and their productivity and so you know the power of what you're building there with Verizon I think is obviously very very um, heavy on the Verizon side how do you feel that this benefits the members as well? (coughs) Well,
1: you know, in one aspect it remains to be seen because it's still a a nascent community, Mm -hmm. but um, you know Verizon is, is getting more and more involved with the community every day. Um, I mean, we have sort of Verizon tech teams. And what I, what I mean by that is we have tech companies sort of involved with, supported by Verizon in some of our other spaces. And the Verizon um, sort of innovation groups, I think that's the best way to describe them because there are many of them. <laughs> um, are involved in this location, they run events there, they support other events, they support member events. I mean one of my members just did a sort of female tech hackathon at the space and one of the Verizon innovation groups was one of her sponsors and very involved in the production of the event. So it's it's growing every day. And it'll be interesting to see what directions it takes. I wouldn't even pretend to predict (laughs) which way it's going to go. But so far, it's been pretty cool.
0: So then, do you have Verizon teams? I think you mentioned you have them in your other communities. So do you have, basically, are these embedded teams, or is it just Anybody from Verizon is, is able to go work at any Grind space at this point, if they want to co-work rather than be located in, in the headquarters.
1: Well, actually, no. We don't have any Verizon employees in our space. These uh-huh. are okay. startups, companies that, are, that e- exist that are being supported by Verizon in various ways. And we, we don't place them at the Grind Verizon space, uh, at least not for now. I mean, we, we kind of want the experiment to be a little more clean than that. So while we support and host those teams at other locations, we try to steer them away from the Grind Verizon space. We want that community to sort of uh, get settled on its own and grow organically um, because we think that's the best way for a community to be born. Um, and once that is, once we feel comfortable that that process is kind of complete, uh, then we certainly can do other things with it. But for the moment, we would rather see any sort of rising connected teams at one of our other locations.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! And how many members does this uh, new space hold? Um,
1: it, it's sort of designed, you know, to have about a uh, hundred and twenty people there each uh-huh.
0: day. Uh-huh.
1: in various forms from daily, monthly, team room people, the, the usual grind hodgepodge.
0: And are Grindists um, from any location able to go to any other location? And this is just another Grind location, as you mentioned.
1: Yeah, it, it really is another Grind location that's powered by Verizon. And all of our members, um, including the members from this space, because they are just simply Grind members, Um, can use any space uh, within, with some limitations and within reason. Um, I mean, for our purposes, every Grind member is assigned a location so we can track their usage and the revenue. But if they need, if they're based out of Grind Verizon and they need to use our Times Square location, it's available to them. You know, if they have a meeting uptown or whatever it is, or if they have a meeting in Chicago and they need to use our Chicago location, for a few days, so welcome
0: to go. Great. So I'm curious, what have been some of the bigger challenges in developing this partnership that you can that you can speak about? I'm, I'm guessing that you're under NDA for a fair amount of that, but you know, what are some of the things that you didn't necessarily expect in sort of trying to merge um, or have a collaboration between what I'm assuming are two very different cultures? Grind being a startup and startups operating in a much more nimble way, but also in a resource-strapped way. Verizon, um, you know, being a large company, um, perhaps with a lot more resources at its fingertips, but also um, a lot of oversight and a lot of um, time to make sure that things are, are according to the corporate guidelines.
1: Well, that's, it's an interesting question, one we get all the time. Uh, <laughs> I think the best way to answer it is you know, it, the challenges are really just based in the whole David-Goliath nature of the relationship. Um, <clears throat> Verizon is huge, and Grind is tiny, and we speak different languages, <laughs> and we move differently, we operate differently. And sometimes that communication is fluid and easy, and sometimes we actually need a translator.
0: <clears throat> um, hmm. Who translates for you? Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you. You know, we're lucky in the fact that the the Verizon co-working team is really smart and passionate and really into this project, and um, and that's just a good base to work with. Um, but you know, sometimes it's a challenge. I mean, we're, we're a small startup, and we're used to you know the necessity of making decisions quickly and on the fly and that's not how a large corporation works.
0: Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's not at all how they work. <laughs> um, well I'm curious also, uh, what's your prediction on the future for this type of collaborative partnership? What do you think? Got out your crystal ball, Benjamin, and tell us what you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh,
1: that's a tough question because it's really a question about where do I think the, the future of coworking is going? <laughs> and uh, I can't predict the future. I, I've seen so much rapid, crazy change in the coworking world in the last five years that I couldn't begin to tell you what the future is going to look like. I can tell you about some of the, the forces we're reckoning with right now. <laughs> um, I mean, coworking started as a, as a grassroots solopreneur movement, really. Um, in general as co-working has spread and expanded the the needs requirements of our members uh, and sort of the modern worker in general has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of it is driven by the fact that um, more sort of middle corporate people have come into the co-working world, and they come with different needs. Um, The corporate world has adopted a lot of the co-working practices internally because they are trying to attract new, younger talent and retain new, younger talent, and they're trying to drive learn to drive innovation from you know within. And the needs of the people that they need to do those things uh, don't revolve around sitting in the cubicle. So they, they want different, more dynamic, more open workspaces um, that really can help with collaboration and help with innovation. Uh, so m- most large corporations right now are all in the middle of dramatically changing their internal workspaces. But a lot of that change is, involves pushing some of their people and workers to external workplaces, be it co-working spaces, be it home, be it whatever it is. But they're being driven to places like Grind. Um, we, a lot, we call them detachable teams. You know, we have, large corp- we have plenty of members who are sort of small bands of departments from large corporations because they don't want to work at the headquarters, yet, um, and they, they, yet they want more collaborative, innovative workspaces where they can get ideas and motivation and inspiration from other people doing other things and in other industries around them. <laughs> Um, And they end up in places like Rhine to get get those needs met.
0: And how do you see that shaping, um, you know, the culture of a space? I mean, I see that um, in San Francisco a lot. I see both uh, detachable teams, as you call them. And I also see a lot of startup teams coming into co-working spaces. And teams tend to, be, tend to be more insular, not always, but they do tend to be more insular or internally focused. So how do you see um, this shift towards these detachable teams filling up spaces affecting or um, guiding the culture of uh, the sort of more open and collaborative spaces um, that we've had traditionally in coworking?
1: It's certainly changed the nature of our communities dramatically and and I don't mean for better or for worse. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's just different. Um, I mean, our original space was completely open plan collaborative workspaces. We had no offices, we had two conference rooms, and everybody worked in a big room um you know. Our latest space is four times the size of that one and is about 50% offices and the rest is open space. And we have everything from solo entrepreneurs working in the open space to detachable teams working in one of their offices, um, from small teams to large teams. I think our largest team in that space might be 40 people. Um, But both of those sort of segments like the ability to internet interact and learn something from each other mm-hmm. so it's important to have a range of product offering and amenities for these people to not only help them expand their own business but to help them sort of interact and collaborate
0: mm-hmm. yeah so really it's it's a plus potential plus for yeah. the community. absolutely yeah, there's there's more talent, more resources available to collaborate with. And um, I think we could all learn a little bit from each other, keep moving towards balance and, and central being centrally focused. <laughs>
1: exactly. In our new space, we have a meditation room. Never thought six years ago when we started grand that we'd have a meditation room. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you guys have definitely changed. Um, it's been it's been fun to watch as you open one space after another space after another space, watch you try the different types of ideas that you've had um, as you learn and grow. And yeah, interested to hear that, you know, first space was completely open and now 50% office space. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, Benjamin, um, what's next for you? Um I'll tell you, right
1: now, given the rapid change of the industry and what we've seen over the last five years, um, we're trying to take a breath and look inside and to um, look at our existing spaces and try to enhance our product offering and sort of rethink the the hospitality arm of what we do and how we can do that better. Um, I mean, right now we're trying to be the best that we can be and be better at what we're doing. (laughs)
0: Love it. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. It's always fun to talk to you. And um, what a fascinating story and a fascinating journey you're on. We'll have to have you back again um, sometime maybe next year. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll I'll be
1: session number 40.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Benjamin.
1: Okay. Thank you, Iris.
0: well thank you so much for joining us today and um, again my apologies about the audio behind me how very unco-working of me Uh, you can check out other episodes and uh, also subscribe to our podcast at co-working with iris.co keep up doing the great work that you're doing changing the world one member at a time talk to you soon
1: okay bye-bye